strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's gonna be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! You know, there's nothing wrong with making a statement. I mean, Wolfie got T minus 60 minutes. We'll see what you got in store here. There's nothing wrong with being asked that, you know what? Hey, was that a statement game? Was that a statement win? And you answer yes. <laughs> Which is or exactly no, Paulie. No, that's exactly what Christian Kirk did right after the game. Remember in the post-game radio interview, we were down on the field in the locker room, and he said it was definitely a statement, a statement from us. And then he went on to talk about how there's a big chip on the old shoulder pad individually as a team, how they're, quote, tired of being counted out. And they were trying to set the tone for the rest of the year. I think we would all agree they checked that box, did they not? Yeah, Paulie, it was an impressive win. There's no doubt about it. And even though I know we're parsing words, I would not call it a statement win. I would call it a standard win. A standard. They set the standard. Week one, stop and think about it. In all three phases, my goodness, Paulie, did they play well against the Tennessee Titans, a team in Nashville, I might add, a team that many people believe will make some noise in the AFC postseason. And for me, it's a standard. It's got to become the standard game that they look at and say, hey, we did it in that game. We can do it in every game, and we should do it in every game. That is the standard. Now go play like that. Or as J.J. Watt said walking off the field to anybody who was listening, we're not surprised. Yep. It was expected. That's the expectation. So we'll see. We all know what happened last year. Justin Pugh brought it up, right? The big start and then the fade at the end. And so you still have 16 to go. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Did we mention our special guest, leading tackler, Isaiah Simmons tonight? Wolf, earlier today, did a little interview with a legendary longtime voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen. I'll tell you what he had to say. He was watching the film. Okay, this guy's been watching the NFL forever. He's watching Cardinals film from week one. The first name, the first name he brought up was Isaiah Simmons. He said, I'm not familiar with number nine. Wow, does he jump off the film? So we'll get into that and what exactly uh, Isaiah Simmons is tracking for after an unbelievable first game from him. Uh, your your takeaway, Wolf, I mean, do you look, we're going to start with Chandler Jones, obviously, in the five yeah. sacks in the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, but 
I'll be honest with you, after the broadcast, whether it was on the team plane on the way home or even every passing day since, I'm like, I'm not sure we gave him enough credit. That's how ridiculous Chandler Jones was on Sunday. Polly, I know you want to start with Chan, and that is a great place to do it because he really did set the tone, especially with that first play of the game on the defensive side of the ball where the Tennessee Titans targeted him and ran the ball directly at him with King Henry, and that all of a sudden, after the play had minus three yards because of Chan slipping underneath Taylor Luan, who had a horrible game, but slipping underneath him and making a play in the backfield right there. But can I tell you overall, Paulie, my number one takeaway is the Arizona Cardinals do not have a, a, a reputation at all of being a physical team. They went in to play the Tennessee Titans, who offensively, I think, is the most physical team in the National Football League, and they beat them at their own game. Physicality on both sides of the ball. They beat them at their own game, and they've got Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins going off. In fact, quoting Taylor Wan after the game via his Twitter account, Chandler Jones kicked my bleep. Uh, he had to issue a public apology to his teammates and Titans Nation. I mean, that that was your chicken-fried left tackle in Tennessee, Taylor Lewan. Here's Cliff Kingsbury on your NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Chandler Jones. As good as I've seen since I've been here, there's no doubt. I mean, he was dominant. He's been unblockable in practice at times where it's almost like, I'm like, do we tell him to go sit out a few series so we can get a pass off? Um, so I knew he, he was going to impact the game. I didn't know he was going to have five sacks, but he's been playing at an extremely high level. And then throw in two forced fumbles, six quarterback hits. He had six tackles. He had four tackles for loss. You realize that with 102 career sacks in 125 career games, his sack rate is second only in NFL history to Reggie White. <laughs> Let that hang in the, the Minister of Defense. Right. That's pretty good right there, Paulie. There's no doubt about it because Reggie, we all know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, defensive linemen of all time. But once again, man, coming out of training camp, did you think of the Arizona Cardinals as one of the most physical teams in the National Football League? Nobody would have talked about the Arizona Cardinals being the most physical team in the National Football League, and they came out and they got physical. Anytime, Paulie, you got a general manager, a general manager, who makes a statement in the offseason, we had two goals, to get more physical and have better leadership, more on the better leadership as the show unfolds. But to go out and play that kind of physical football game with a bunch of playmakers on the field, man, I'm telling you what, I, I could not have been more impressed, and I said that to you all the way home. Well, the physicality started before the game. It was a mentality on the sideline. It was guys like J.J. Watt and some of the other team leaders demanding it from the young guys, demanding it from everybody. I witnessed it. And then during the game, Wolf, the other word we heard in the offseason was accountability, right? Leadership. Yes. And we saw that from Kyler Murray. And, you know, it has since been something that both Hop has talked about and Kyler. And so I can tell you that Kyler Murray held both Hop and Rondell Moore accountable. He aired out both guys at different times during the game, and they nodded. Paula, you were down there, were you not? They nodded, and they responded. Yes. And that's something we had not seen in years past. And as Christian Kirk said after the game, real quick, he said, you know what? That's by design. We're not letting that stuff right. slide this year. I heard him say that, Paulie, and honestly, this is exactly the kind of accountability that has to happen. You can't take it personally. You can be upset that you were wrong, 
but you cannot take it personally when somebody calls you out, and I don't care who you are. And that is the reason why, again, you've got to have guys like Kyler Murray holding himself to a higher standard than he'd hold anybody else on the team to. You have to do, you want to be the best leader you could possibly be, you've got to hold yourself to a standard you won't hold anyone else to. And you admit it all the time when you make mistakes. You own up to it. You don't try to sweep it under the rug. You own up to it just for the very reason you mentioned that I can actually walk up to somebody else and say, dude, you're killing us. And what did he say the week before going into the game that I have more than enough weapons. If I don't make it happen, it's on me. So he said that going into the game, after the game, he had five total touchdowns, four passing, his fifth game ever with a passer rating of 120-plus. And here's his head coach, and we asked him about what he liked from K1. A couple of those touchdown throws that he got us into different plays versus coverage that he liked that was a big step um when he can see the field like that and uh take our matchups that we had favorably in those situations i think that's uh moving in the right direction and by the way he has freedom to make checks when he sees fit and he did so on at least two of the touchdowns the lob to christian kirk and then the d hop catch and run which was aided in great part by rodney hudson who recognized the blitz and then the two of them working in concert And boom, that's what happened when Tennessee decided to bring the house against Kyler Murray. I mean, think about it. They made some of those decisions in going after Kyler with his escapability and now his ability, which is much improved by all accounts, in reading those blitzes and finding the open man. And then number two, they never made an adjustment on Chandler Jones. The guy had three sacks in the first quarter, and they never adjusted. Well, they started to chip him a little bit more, I think, but it wasn't going to help A little bit, but even J.J. Watt brought that up today. He's like, you'd think they would have done a lot more, and they didn't. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, once again, I think they were shocked through the whole thing (laughs) that was going on but i gotta tell you right now man the most impressive play i saw kyler murray make was the first touchdown to deandre Hopkins. there's just no doubt about it the scramble out of the pocket running to his right getting outside and then throwing the ball right across his face that was just stunning to me and what a catch by d did you see the nfl films clip they put out aj brown was mic'd up he yes. was in disbelief. <laughs> yes. He was utterly stupefied by the catch from DeAndre Hopkins, shaking his head, and just he was in disbelief. And then he said he had to do that. I got to yeah. do that. <laughs> hey, episode eight of the Dave Pash podcast featuring Scott Hansen from NFL Red Zone, available now wherever you get your podcast. Follow along on Twitter at PashPod. Isaiah Simmons is next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. They run Henry off the left side, and he's dumped immediately, and it's Isaiah Simmons knifing into the backfield to take him down. What a play by Simmons. You want to talk about playing downhill, Isaiah Simmons coming from the backside, the weak side inside linebacker making a play on King Henry, baby. Tannehill takes the shotgun snap, backs up, has time, steps up, throws over the middle, deflected into the air, and it is intercepted by Isaiah Simmons at the 45-yard line. Isaiah Simmons with a heads-up play. How about it, playmakers? Make plays. A team eye nine tackles for Isaiah Simmons. Seven solo, by the way. 
He had two passes defensed, and that interception right there in Tennessee week one, and that's really the only downside, guys, is that poor Buddha got hawked again instead of DK Metcalf. <laughs> this time it was friendly fire from his teammate who joins us now, Isaiah Simmons on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Isaiah, how are we doing? And maybe more importantly, how's Buddha doing after a, a sure interception <laughs> and boom, you came in at the last second? <laughs> Uh, I'm doing pretty good, um, and you know, thankfully, Buddha is doing well too. You know, he came out the game healthy. How did you feel, Isaiah, going into that game? Because you played a fantastic game. How did you feel going into it? Um, I felt really good. Felt great about the game plan. Um, very confident in that, um, and you know, very confident in just the defense as a whole going into it. Uh, I felt we were all very prepared. Um, everybody was focused in on the on the fine details and not just the the whole thing, you know, um, just the little things that go into everything. So, um, you know, I knew we were all going to go out there and with the effort that we have, a, a, a very solid game. And after you actually watched the tape, how did you feel coming out of there, Isaiah? Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm a huge critic, but um, what I saw coming out of the game is how well we played, but also, you know, like the upside that our defense defense could have. Just there's there's plenty of things that we could have done better, and you know, just just being able to see that we could play at such a high level like that, but still have so many things that we could we could fix and, and become a better defense is is something that I definitely have I have a smile about. You know, I could sit here and I could cite the numbers and the stats. I mean, all show the six sacks, the three takeaways, the nine quarterback hits, eight tackles for loss by that Cardinals defense. The NFL low, less than four yards per play given up, right? The fact you rendered Derrick Henry a non-factor. But you mentioned the game plan, and that's something Robert Alford mentioned a few times last week going into the game. After the game, Cliff Kingsbury told us he called it a real masterpiece, quote-unquote, what can you tell us now about Vance Joseph's game plan going against the Titans? Yeah, I mean, um, I think we did what every team intends to do, and that's take away the run and force them to pass. Um, and just everybody playing the dip- disciplined football, I feel like we we came out really strong with a lot of three and outs, which, you know, obviously you, as a coordinator, you wouldn't want to go back to things that you're getting stuffed at right out the gate. So just just – being able to just take the run away from them, um, I think that was the most pivotal thing that we that we had going. But masterpiece, I would definitely would say, is a way to explain our game plan. Isaiah, there was a couple of times where I saw you bring down King Henry by yourself. So tell me, what was it like to tackle number twenty-two? Yeah, um, you know, I, I I just was trying to play my play through my technique uh but no um you know he runs hard he's definitely a big guy to take down so you know i just wanted to i just wanted to stop where all the power comes from and that's that's through your legs so you know i just just hit him in the legs each time and you know more more times than not i felt i would win and look and you're a big guy so so i get it but you know what Maybe like when you're a grandfather and you got the grandkids around, you might, you know, tell that story. Hey, that legendary <laughs> running back, 6'3", 250, and I took him down in the open field multiple times. I'd be telling it, Paul. What, what do you tell yourself, though, when there's a guy that size? Uh, I mean, mentally, what's your approach? I know so much of it is just bang, bang, and it's reaction, but is, is there a strategy? 
to tackling a guy that size? Um, I mean, I, I would say just everybody has, I mean, you could call it a weakness or a flaw in their game. So I, I would just say trying to attack that. And not necessarily a flaw, but he's he's a taller guy. So I would say the the best idea would be would to be go lower. So um, just, just being able to attack the lower portion of him, I'd say. You know, and one of the things I loved about it as well, Isaiah, you did attack. You did. I, I went back. I looked at the tape. You attacked him. You didn't wait for him to come to you. Very well done on your part right there. Tight, take us, if you will, through the pick. Talk about that play. It was a great play by you. You went up, you elevated, and you are taller, obviously, than Buddha was, and you came down with the ball. Tell us about that pick. Take us through the play, if you don't mind. Yeah, so um, I was just kind of a, a hover player um, over the running back. And um, after I saw the ball thrown, great play by Rob, uh, breaking up that ball. Um, and I just seen it pop up in the air. And I, for whatever reason, I felt like Julio was somewhere in the area. <laughs> Not sure if he was, but um, so I, I wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to get the ball. So I'm like, I got to go up and get this. And I didn't. I saw Buddha when we got up in the air, but it was, it was too late. So <laughs> I, I saw. It, <laughs> but, I saw. Um, it, I saw in your bio you were a first team All State receiver. So so did your your old high school receiving skills come into play? Yeah, they did. I've been trying to tell the. I, I was actually just telling our coach today. You know, I was I was a pretty good receiver back in back in my high school days, and he was, you know, he's laughing at me. But I'm like, no, I'm serious. But you know, so, some people forget about that. But I still know. I still know I got it. Who were you saying that to? Was it Cliff? You were saying that to? Um, no, Coach Jefferson. Okay. <laughs> Oh, you, you, oh you went right to the source. You went right to the wide receiver. Yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah I'm getting straight to the point. Straight to the point. <laughs> you know what's amazing about that, guys? And Wolf, if there was a comp in Cardinals history at his position, would it not be Carlos Dansby? Yes. Carlos Dansby went into Auburn as a receiver. Yes. Think about that. Yep. I, just, I find that intriguing. So, okay, that was a big play you made. Uh, we asked Cliff Kingsbury after the game uh, just about your play overall, and here's the head coach. He's a gamer, there's no doubt. Um, he shows up and he loves to play uh, when you get him out there when the lights are on. So it was uh, fun to watch. You know, he's a guy who, who we've moved around some and, and just continues to flash and make plays. After the game, I asked you, did you know how many different positions you played? Because you heard Coach there say how oh, they moved you around, and you said, I think I played four spots. So when you watched the film, did that end up being accurate? Yeah, I believe it was four. What's your favorite position to play, Isaiah? Um, I don't know. That that's hard because I, I mean, I, I'd say out, outside linebacker. You know, because you get the luxury of being able to rush the quarterback as well as you know dropping the coverage. Because, but and I would say that because I like to get sacks just as much as I like to get interceptions. So. When you watch your film, you mentioned you're you, you're usually critical of yourself when you watch film. What is what is it that you that you see in your in your film that you're like, oh, okay? Is there anything that's a constant that you've been trying to remedy? Um, not not really anything in not anything um in particular, but um, I don't know. I just mostly look at maybe like if I could take like a better angle, like maybe I made the play, but. I could have made it better or maybe made it for a tackle for loss or, 
you know, just maybe just one step closer to the receiver, whatever it could be. Um, but those are mainly the things that I would say I could teach myself about. So, and it could be something really small, but. So, Isaiah, know, would, would you say, I'm sorry, would you say that you nitpick yourself? Um, yeah, at times. Can I can oh, I just tell but, you can I can I just tell you right now with your incredible talent, that's not a bad thing to be, Isaiah. I'm just telling you right now. If you if you are nitpicking some of the greatest players I played ten years in the league, Isaiah, I can tell you right now, some of the greatest players I ever played around, they picked at themselves. They were their worst critic. Is that something that has always been the case with you? Yeah. Um yeah, I've always been like that. Like, my dad, he would always tell me after my games, he would ask me how I thought I played. And, you know, I could have had a really good game, but I'll probably point out all the negative things before I talk about anything positive. And oh he's like, goodness. sometimes you got to, you know, just enjoy that you played good. And I'm like, yeah. yeah you know. I, I don't know if you know who Walter Payton is, but you just said exactly what Walter Payton said to me many, many years ago. Isaiah, go Google Walter Payton. He's simply the greatest running back to ever play oh, in the national. Yeah. You know who he is. That, that's exactly how he was. He didn't want to hear about the 150 yards that he rushed for. He didn't want to hear about the three touchdowns that he scored. He wanted you, he would say to you, did you see the block that I missed? Did you see the blocks that I, I mean, here's a, uh, that's incredible. Isaiah, that is something for you to culture, my friend, because that will help you have an incredible career. How about we're on board with Isaiah Simmons, uh, Cardinals second-year guy. How about what you heard from J.J. Watt before the game ever started? He was wired up. He was mic'd up this week, and there was a great pep talk he gave you and a lot of other guys on that sideline before kickoff. Go into that a little bit and what exactly he shared with you. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, I actually didn't even know he was mic'd up until that video was posted. But, um, you know, J.J., he's – He's always been a guy, like, ever since day one when he came in, he's, he's believed in me. And, you know, he, he just pushes me each and every day, no matter what it is. He, he's always just pushing me. He, like, he always mentions, I'm, I'm going to show you how to be great. I'm going to show you how to be great. He's, because, you know, he just tells me that he knows he sees it inside of me. So I would say ever since, you know, he's got here, he's been on me about everything. Just, just because, you know, not trying to be, like, you know, that guy that's, always saying something, but, you know, really just genuinely trying to help me um, just because he says he's always believed in me. Um, so I, I really think that's where that came from, uh, just because he's always been like that. Isaiah, what about the communication on Sunday? How was it? Were, were you guys all on the same page? How were the calls coming in, and how were the logistics of those calls and the communication thereof? Yeah, I think our communication was was great. Um, everybody was uh, on the same page for the most part um, at all times, and um, there was not too much confusion uh, going on out there. Obviously, there was going to be some just first game back, uh, still getting the wrinkles out of things, but for the most part, all the communication was great. Isaiah Simmons, we continue with the Cardinals' first-round pick last year. I want to talk about the Seattle game last year. And not the big pick in the first meeting, the game the Cardinals won in overtime, but the second game at Seattle, the complete game that he put in and whether that was a turning point of sorts for Isaiah Simmons. And then 
you got to hear what Paul Allen said. The Vikings legendary longtime voice. And when he was watching Cardinals film, he's watched a lot of football, Wolf. And just what stood out to him, unprompted, whose number he cited. And then we'll talk about that single digit as well because Tom Brady has an issue with linebackers wearing the single digits. That's all straight ahead. It's the Big Red Rage with Isaiah Simmons presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Takes, fakes the run in trouble, gets hit. Chandler Jones forces a fumble. It's picked up by Corey Peters. Hit from behind by Jones and sack. They cannot block 55. Here comes Chandler Jones, another sack. Chandler Jones is obliterating Taylor Lewan. Hit by Jones, fumbles the ball. It's loose and recovered by the Cardinals. Another sack. Chandler Jones is fourth, tying a career high. Tannehill on fourth down, hit and sacked. Chandler Jones, five sacks on the day for 55. Right now, you could not find one hair on Ryan Tannehill's back because it has been thoroughly waxed by the professor who's got the PhD in back waxing. Chandler Jones with his fifth sack. The Titans O-line was sort of like what Wolf had for dinner Saturday night in Nashville's Tennessee-style barbecue. Smoked and shredded, pulled, sliced, and slow-cooked in 90-degree heat. (laughs) As down went Taylor Lewan and company and a historic team record tying five-sack game for Chandler Jones, your NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And we got to get a comment from Isaiah Simmons, our guest. The leading tackler on the day had an interception, and and I know you fielded a lot of questions about Chandler Jones. Everyone has, and rightfully so, right? I mean, you think about the historic magnitude of what he did in the numbers alone, Isaiah. It was pretty breathtaking to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, what, on this, when he got his fifth sack, actually, I would say after the third sack in the first quarter, I was like, I was like, bro, oh my god, <laughs> because he's he's been telling me and Chandler we're pretty close, and you know he's been telling me, um, he's been telling me like I never, you never even seen me play, you never seen me play, and I'm like, okay, well I'm about to see you play soon, so I hope you do some, you know, <laughs> just messing with him, <laughs> and then um, I said, wow, I said three sacks in one quarter, I said, okay. You got my attention. And then um, after the fourth one, I, I was looking to see if it was him. And I let, lo and behold, it was him. And then on the fifth one, I was just I was just completely amazed. <laughs> I've seen someone get five sacks last year with Hassan Reddick. But I, I don't know, just for whatever reason, the way Chandler was doing it was, it was just, it was just crazy. It's something that you, you don't see often. Yeah. Well, the J.J. Watt guys, the Wired, where J.J. Watt comes to the bench and he says, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Hello, excuse me, are you serious? Just his reaction alone was unbelievable, Wolf. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Bully. But, okay, so you're 1-0 right now. How do you not how – do, how do you avoid a letdown next week? Um, just just treating it – treating every week as its own season. Um, the goal is just to go 1-0 every – every week so um i would say just not having the mindset of of carrying in to just like you know we just won with high emotions and everything but just understanding that this week is just a season of its own 
understand. We're just trying to get to one and know. Do you think guys are doing that, Isaiah? Yeah. Um, you know, as fun as that win was, um, you know, I don't really even hear guys talking about it too much um, around the building and more talk on the Vikings and what we have coming up. So I think everybody understands that that win that we had last week isn't going to do anything to help us win this game coming up. I tell you, Minnesota has some old line issues, uh, various issues. They had a lot of flags in week one because in addition to everything else, Chandler Jones, he drew two false starts in addition to everything that's in the box score. And just to put some punctuation on it, guys, here was Christian Kirk. Listen to what he said after Chandler Jones' historic game. You know, Chandler Jones might have put on the best football performance I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I saw it all offseason, you know, working out um, and just seeing his mindset and the way he approached it. And uh, especially during, during you know, practice, you know, leading up to this week, it's not surprising. And all those guys, all 11 over there, you know, they played their hearts out. You know, that wasn't an a, a easy task whatsoever. And they came out and made a statement. And Isaiah, you know, it goes beyond Chandler. There's J.J. Watt next to him. You guys have a very deep D-line room as a linebacker, right? And a guy who plays on the second level. What does that do for you? And just explain to football one on one when those guys are dominating up front, how beneficial is it to you? Oh, it it minimizes the game for us. Um, you know, then we can start to predict things more and then uh, you know, we can run the plays that we want to run. And, you know, when when you have guys playing like them, um, you know, things things start to become pretty simple back there with us. Uh don't have to cover for very long or if so, the ball's coming out quickly. Um, you know, you jump routes. Just do a lot. You can just do so much more when you have guys that are just that dominant up front. Isaiah, how would you describe the Minnesota Vikings offense? Um, um, you know, they have, as everyone knows, they have, you know, similar to Tennessee, they have a great run game uh, with Dalvin Cook. Um, I'd say, personally, he's one of the, I think he's one of the top backs in the league. Um, and then as well as, you know, being able to get the ball out on the perimeter with Thielen and Justin uh, Jefferson, you know, also two really good receivers. So, um, you know, we, we're definitely going to have to cover uh, this game as well as being able to stop the run game. And speaking of the run game, they have the number two rusher in the NFL last year in Dalvin Cook. But, but he's a different style running back obviously, than a Derrick Henry. Isn't he? Break that down for us. What do you expect? What are people going to see in Dalvin Cook? Yeah, um, definitely different than uh, Henry with, you know, him having – he has a really good jump cut, um, very twitchy, you know, uh, light on his feet, great balance, um, can catch the ball out the backfield. Um, so, you know, he, he, he brings a lot to the table. So the Minnesota Vikings overall, would you say they run a physical scheme? Because I see a lot of power personnel groups from the Minnesota Vikings in rundown situation, first and 10, second and one to six. Would you say they run a physical scheme? I would say so. Um, You know, just with the tight end, the usage of the tight ends and, and, um, you know, extra linemen and whatnot. um, I definitely, you you would have to clarify classify that as a as a power offense and they got down 21-7 they came back at Cincinnati forced overtime they ended up losing in OT Dalvin Cook had a critical fumble in that one so they come in 0-1 we all know the stat at least in a 16 game season teams that start 0-2 have like a 12 percent chance of making the playoffs so 
they're going to be desperate. There's going to be intensity yep. and urgency. And and the Vikings announcer, Paul Allen, has been doing this for decades. I was talking to him today about the matchup. And just on his own, guys, out of, on his own, he says he's watching Cardinals film. Well, and I'll let him take it from here. When I watched back the Cardinals game, Isaiah Simmons, is it's unbelievable what I see in him. I mean, he sticks out because of number nine. So you notice him immediately and just, you know, and I know he's supposed to be good and he's a high first round pick and all that. My heavens, is he good? And it permits Buddha on the back end of freelance even a little more than he generally does. Um, I like the construction of the Cardinals. Isaiah, where you are in your evolution as a player, to what degree are you now playing and not thinking, especially when you probably have more on your plate than anyone considering your position flexibility and all the variety of spots you play? Um, you know, just having the uh, opportunity to really learn everything uh, this preseason has helped me, you know, just to just go play and um, not thinking, just reacting. And, um, you know, I would say that was something that may have slowed me down my first year, but it has has been something that's been able to really, really benefit me was this preseason this year. Isaiah, of the four positions that you have played on that note right there, um, what's the hardest? What is the hardest mentally to play? Um, hardest mentally, um, I would say probably being inside of the box, maybe just because it's just something I'm not quite so used to, just reading the pillage and everything, but I wouldn't even really consider that hard anymore. I think I have that down down pretty good. So you know, I um I wouldn't really say that's something that's mentally hard, but that's probably my hardest hardest thing mentally at least. You mentioned last year I would guess the most memorable play for most folks would be your interception in overtime as the Cardinals beat Seattle at home, but then you went to Seattle later. And in that game you played forty five snaps, you had a team high ten tackles you had your first career sack. You had two tackles for loss and a quarterback hit. Was that sort of an evolutionary moment? Was that a breakthrough moment for you? Or not only did you get the playing time, but you started to really get traction in the NFL at that point? Um, yeah, I think – I mean, you could consider it as a, as a turning point, but um, I, I would say that was really my first game getting a lot of consecutive snaps. And uh, I felt like I was able to get a feel of the game and uh, just, you know, just – go out there and play and be who I am. Um, and then after that, I felt, I felt as in the coaches, you know, had, had, they, they it showed them that I was ready, showed them that, um, you know, I could, I could make plays. And um, ever since then, I feel like we just grew off of it. Isaiah, I don't know how you're actually doing it, playing all the different positions that you are right now and not committing a, a ton of mental errors. I, I mean, how how are you doing in that regard right now? They're moving you all over the field. How many mental errors are you having in that first game? Um, I don't think I had any. I, I don't think I had any. Are you serious? Errors. Wow! Wow! Wait, you know how good that is, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that doesn't happen too often, but um, I feel like. It's something that's kind of just expected, just with my preparation and how I come into each week. Oh and my you like, gosh, that's how, how you like the number nine. By the way, you liking the number nine? Are you get reactions? You know, some of the older quarterbacks in the league don't really like the linebackers wearing single digits. Has anyone given you a reaction? Yeah, I've heard about that, but um, 
I've got I've got a lot of positive things said about it. Most people are are uh, actually fans of it. Um, most most of my uh, friends that are all um, on teams, different teams, um, just around the country, are talking about how it just looks a whole, so much better than the forty eight. So I, I guess I, that's a positive thing. I like it. I'm I'm used to seeing myself in it now. So well, Jose, so, thank you, man. Yeah. Something tells me you're getting a lot more fans day by day. Uh, It's just going to (laughs) build all season long. So we appreciate the time, the insight, and look forward to Sunday. Thank you, Isaiah. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Thank you. There you go. Isaiah Simmons. Wow. Off to an unbelievable start on this 2021 season. We'll come back more on Sunday Cardinals and Vikings right after this on the Big Red Rage. Snap to Murray. Straight drop back. Feeling pressure. Flushed out of the pocket to the right, now throws back across the middle, and it's caught in the back of the end zone by Hopkins, and he got his feet down for the touchdown. Quick throw over the middle, Hopkins has a catch of the 10, turns to his left at the 5, and hits Pater. Touchdown, DeAndre Hopkins. Run Murray to the right, sticks the ball out, walks into the end zone, pitches it to the official. It's a two-yard touchdown run. That's J.J. Watt eye candy on the left side. A fade, deep right side, over the shoulder, catch by Kirk in the end zone for a touchdown. Fires right side in the end zone, back shoulder, Kirk adjusts beautifully and pulls it in for the touchdown. Christian Kirk with his second touchdown, and the Cardinals lead it 37-13. 38-13 was your final. They were a missed 43-yard field goal away from a 40-burger at Tennessee. And how about the offense? 416 total yards, 136 rushing yards. They were above 50% on third down. They were 4 of 5 in the red zone. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, where we asked Ron Wolfley, Wolf, you tell us about the offense. What stood out to you? You know what, honestly, it was the passing game of the Arizona Cardinals, just how incredibly professional it looked and well-oiled. We all know about the preseason. We all know about the concerns of the preseason, Paulie, right? And nine plays, nine plays. ESPN is going to do a 30-30 on those nine plays of preseason and juxtapose it over the the course of this season. How about the snark from Cliff Kingsbury after the game in our post-game radio? interview right i mean you know I, I, he won't say it i will we're talking about right. preseason matt yeah it, paulie it was uh just the passing attack man i mean kyler murray was on the same page with all of his wide receivers and the fact that he was actually checking out and checking into different plays uh for touchdowns boy is that a good good sign it really is in fact kyler murray was asked okay how do you sustain that week one success how you sustain it? You got to keep working hard, uh, keep that mindset, um, and that's what we'll do. You know, I, I, like I said, I, I won't let our offense get complacent. Um, we know how good we can be. We know the sky's the limit for us. But at the end of the day, uh, penalties, turnovers, stuff like that can't happen. Yeah, you had six of your eight penalties early, uh, and then you really started to wonder. But then obviously the guard, Cardinals got past that. I, I tell you, just hit zoom out for a minute. If you have a quarterback, you can protect that quarterback, and you can get to the quarterback. Then guess what? you've got the potential to be a pretty good team, potential to be a pretty good team. And and there's no doubt that offense looked different. And even Cliff Kingsbury mm-hmm. said after the game, well, if we asked him straight out, how many new wrinkles were there? And he, he didn't get into a lot of details. Uh, Christian Kirk admitted, yeah, we saw a lot of new stuff, including, wait for it, Kyler under center. <laughs> 
Exactly, Bully. Uh, especially in the red zone. Five snaps in the red zone of Kyler under center. Very, very important right there. Listen, this is what we've been talking about all offseason. The expansion of the football universe. I love the fact that you did not know what was coming from Cliff Kingsbury. You did not know what was coming from the Arizona Cardinals offense. And you know what? It's going to be a very similar situation when they confront the Minnesota Vikings because I can tell you right now, their defense, you have no idea what Mike Zimmer is going to do, Paul. Yeah, that's true. You're right. It's going to be a good mental test for the young quarterback, Kyler Murray. Is it not? But when you hear him talk about how critical, how vital Rodney Hudson was in recognizing a lot of yeah. those fronts. When you hear some of the offensive linemen, D.J. Humphrey said it last week, Justin Pugh confirmed it today, that Rodney Hudson is reading and recognizing a lot of what the Cardinals are seeing and then conveying and communicating that to Kyla Murray, combined with the fact that Rodney Hudson is so stout at the point of attack, and then his ability, his athleticism. If you saw on the play, and we broke this down with Cliff Kingsbury on his TV show, the Rondell Moore catch and run straight up the seam on the wide receiver screen that hit big. It's one thing for D.J. Humphreys to get downfield. It's to his side as the left tackle, but for Rodney Hudson to get out and get downfield 25 yards and actually get a block yes. spring Rondell Moore that was beyond impressive. Yeah, but I, I want to go back to the protection because this is going to be huge, of course, coming up against the Minnesota Vikings because this is going to be the game. This, In a gross simplification of the truth, Paulie, uh, the onus once again, very similar to Tennessee, the onus is on the offense to go out and win a game. And if you're going to win this game, that means Kyler Murray has got to beat Mike Zimmer. Has got to beat. Here it comes. You don't know what's going to happen. He's so diverse, Mike Zimmer, and the defenses that he runs, they're always buttoned up. There's no doubt Harrison Smith gets him lined up in the back end. And Zimmer, he, he typically fields a very competitive defense, but he doesn't have a bunch of stars on it. And it's because he demands that you are smart first. He demands that because he loves to mix it up and give an opposing quarterback all sorts of looks. Rodney Hudson is going to be huge this week for Kyler Murray because of Mike Zimmer and what he does. And look, I have a lot of respect for Mike Zimmer, but to your point about personnel, they had three big cogs in that defense that did not practice today, including those two talented inside linebackers, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, both mispracticed. And then Everson Griffin, he missed with a concussion. So there's a lot of uncertainty as to who exactly is going to be available. The other corners beyond Pat P, talking to Paul Allen, the radio voice today, Pat P barely got tested. In fact, he said Pat P got bored and actually went for a ball late in the game that he probably shouldn't have. He just thinks he was bored. But Bashad Breeland, the other corner, got torched. And then as far as Zimmer's defense, Joe Burrow had a career-high passer rating, 129. Yes. That's from a second-year guy. That's exactly right, Paulie. And so, you know, look, um, you know, this thing could get sideways for the Vikings early, potentially, uh, if, you know, and then you look at uh, their inability to to stop the Bengals' run game at times yes. as well. And uh, I see opportunity for the Cardinals, with all due respect to a guy who's been really at the top of his game coordinating defenses for decades. Look, the strength of the Tennessee Titans was their offense. The strength of the Minnesota Vikings is their offense. The weakness of the Tennessee Titans team, period, was their secondary in particular. Just in the bottom third in almost every major category in regard to the pass defense. The same thing can be said for the Minnesota Vikings. 
This is this game is so similar. We were talking about this all offseason, Paulie, but again, this this game is so similar, and yet you're playing it at home. The only difference is you're going to have a desperate Minnesota Vikings team against a team, that being the Arizona Cardinals, that is coming off a very impressive win. Paulie, when you hear Steve Kime say, we've got to have better leadership in the locker room, think of this game coming up. Think of this game. Because this is why you went out and got J.J. Watt. This is why you went out and got Rodney Hudson and A.J. Green and Colt McCoy and brought these guys in. This is the very reason why you did it. So that they'll all look at each other and go, we haven't done jack. Knock it off. It's one game. It's expected. That's what J.J. said, right? This is not a surprise. It's expected. Paulie, this game is about leadership in the Arizona Cardinals locker room. Is this game about targeting Patrick Peterson? No. Is this game, because I'm guessing that Patrick Peterson won't be lonely like he was in the last game. I'm guessing that they will go after Pat P, whether he's going to travel and shadow DeAndre Hopkins. That's typically not the Mike Zimmer way. But uh, I think there will be some targets Pat P's way. Yeah, there's no doubt. They're not going to target him. They're not going to game plan him. They're going to go ahead and run their game. And if he happens to be over DeAndre Hopkins... It's not like Kyler's not going to look at him. D-Hop had two touchdown catches. Christian Kirk had two touchdown catches. Think about it. You really didn't hear from A.J. Green. There could be a breakout game coming for him. Rondell Moore, we saw him and how impressive he was. Max Williams wasn't really involved, so there's no doubt Kyler has weapons. Special thanks to Isaiah Simmons for joining us here today. As always, Jim Almohundro and Jeff Darge, Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. Straight ahead, Cardinals and Vikings, week two on Sunday, all presented by Big Red Rage and Santan Ford in Gilbert. Number one, Kyler You've been listening to the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.